Good morning, my friends. Welcome to the Bible Project Daily Podcast. You join us again as we continue our journey through the whole Bible, chapter by chapter, verse by verse. Thank you so much for joining me here today, and I do hope you really get something out of our study today in the Gospel of Mark. Today we're going to look at the root problem of the human condition, and we'll be covering the text from Mark 7, verses 1 to 23. If you are here for the first time, then why not consider clicking on the subscribe button wherever it is you get your podcast from, and that way you'll never miss an episode. And can I remind you to hang around at the end where I'll update you and tell you of ways that you can get things like an episode notes page or even a full transcript of everything I say. So with that said, I'll say bye-bye for now and we'll pick up where we left off last time. Hello friends, today we're going to be looking at Mark chapter 7 and today I'm going to read the entire text first rather than work through it verse by verse because I think it's one of those cases where it's really important to get the overall picture, the main narrative story before we drop in and look at it in more detail. So I'm going to be reading 23 verses for you today starting at Mark chapter 7 and today's talk is called the root problem where we'll be considering what is the issue the problem that lies at the heart of the human condition so the text begins in verse 1 and it says then the Pharisees and some of the scribes came together to him having come from Jerusalem now when they saw some of his disciples eat bread with defiled that is unwashed hands they found fault for the Pharisees and all the Jews do not eat unless they wash their hands in a special way, holding the tradition of the elders. When they came from the marketplace, they do not eat unless they wash. And there are many other things which they have received and hold on to, like the washing of cups, pitchers, copper vessels and couches. Then the Pharisees and the scribes asked him, Why do your disciples not walk according to the tradition of the elders, but eat bread with unwashed hands? He answered and said to them, Well, did Isaiah prophesy of you hypocrites, as it is written, The people honour me with their lips, but their heart is far from me, and in vain they worship me, teaching as doctrines like the commandments of men? For laying aside the commandment of God, you hold the traditions of men, all the washing of pitchers and cups and many other such things you do. He said to them, All too well you reject the commandment of God, that you keep your tradition. For Moses said, Honour your father and mother, and he who curses his father or mother, let him to be put to death. But you say, if a man says to his father or mother, Whatever profit you might have received from me is korban, that is a gift of God. Then you no longer let him do anything for his father or his mother, making the word of God of no effect through your tradition, which you have handed down, and many such things you do. When he had called all the multitude to himself, he said to them, Hear me, everyone, and understand. There is nothing that enters a man from outside which can defile him, but the things which come out of him, these are the things that defile a man. If anyone has ears to hear, let him hear. When he entered a house away from the crowd, 
his disciples asked him concerning the parable. So he said to them, Are you thus without understanding also? Do you not perceive that whatever enters a man from the outside cannot defile him, because it does not enter his heart but his stomach, and is eliminated, and thus purifying all foods? And he said, What comes out of a man that defiles a man? For from what within out of the hearts of men proceed evil, thoughts, adulteries, fornications, murders, thefts, covetousness, wickedness, deceit, lewdness, an evil eye, blasphemy, pride, and foolishness. All these evil things come from within and defile a person. Now we often hear many times about how when young people get into trouble, we're told the trouble is caused by their background. Sometimes it's suggested that people, if they've been born into a different situation, a different family, a town or a city, or even a different area of a city, then things might have turned out differently for them. In some cases we're even told that crime is because of poverty, and that's the root cause of the problem. Now I'm not suggesting all those things aren't a factor, but are they really the root cause of the problem? That's the question I would like to consider today. What is the real cause of things going wrong in the world? But it's not just young people I want to talk about. I want us to think about it and how it applies to all of us. What is the problem and what is the root cause of everything that is wrong in the world? What is it causes people to go astray, if you like, to live wrong lives and behave in wrong ways. Now Jesus here holds a conversation with the religious leaders of his day, a conversation that could be described, well, more as a head-on collision, and it was over this exact subject. And that's what the passage we're looking at today. William Barclay, in his daily audio Bible, in his introduction to this passage, says this is the most revolutionary passage in the New Testament. As far as I'm concerned, this passage contains one of the most important spiritual truths of the New Testament. I think if you get this wrong, and what this is teaching wrong, you pretty much get everything wrong when it comes to the Christian faith and understanding your relationship with God. Misunderstand this, and you will misunderstand many other things taught in the Bible. But get this right, and you're well down the road to getting most things right in your approach to God. Anyway, this passage began by recording for us a discussion between Jesus and the Pharisees. The scribes are calling translations, and that's what the opening verse tells us. These guys described here are the religious leaders, the ones given the responsibility of correctly ensuring the application of the laws of God within that society at that time. The opening to this passage tells us that these were the teachers of the law and what they thought about Jesus and his followers. The King James Version helpfully adds our, to our understanding was that it says they found fault However, what they're finding fault with here, it may appear to be something to do with hygiene, but it is in fact a religious issue. The washing of the hands mentioned in verse 3 was not being picked upon by them for the reasons of hygiene. This is to do with the special ceremonial way of washing according as it's described here to the traditions of the elders. Notice it doesn't say that it was the, the washing of hands as proclaimed according to the word of God. In fact, it does not even say according to the Mosaic law. 
it says that it was a washing of hands as according to the traditions of the elders. Now this is very important because the Mosaic law itself made a distinction between things which were sacred and things which were ordinary. And it did indeed involve some teaching on some things being declared clean and unclean. But over time, these teachers of the laws, these scribes, had added to these things. And eventually they came up with a whole detailed, convoluted, special set of rules about meat and its preparation. And they also came up with rules about washing your hands in special ways. So that's what it means here when it says that they were accusing Jesus' followers of not washing their hands in a ceremonial way. To forget to ceremonially wash your hands meant from their perspective you were likely to suffer poverty, even perhaps demon possession, or out and out death and destruction. Historians say some people were denied ceremony and burials if it was found they'd not washed their hands correctly in their final day. My point to this is these rules had become very serious matters in terms of their application by the religious people of Jesus' day. Then Jesus appears here and he does not require that his followers go through these traditions of the elders in washing their hands in that way. The Pharisees and the teachers of the law, they react when they see this. Well, they're livid in fact. This is not a case of like a mother being annoyed at her children for not washing their hands before a meal. What's occurring here is the wrath of a religious system coming against Jesus and his followers, specifically coming against him for what he stood for. And this is the point where it gets really interesting. The Pharisees answer it, but the answer is a quote from Isaiah. Very importantly, Mark adds verse in verses 8 and 9 that it is not that they have just kept the Mosaic tradition of washing hands and added to it, but they have set aside also some of the actual commandments of Moses to replace them with their human traditions. The traditions here had actually replaced the commandments of God. And these religious guys had become so focused on these traditions, these traditions invented by men, that they had forgotten the core commandments of God out of which these traditions had grown. And Jesus gives them a very specific illustration which shows how their traditions now are actually preventing them from keeping the declared word of God. He actually says to them, you guys can't even recognize the plain truth of God anymore because you're so absorbed in your traditions. And he addresses this head on by telling the people it's not what goes into a person that is ever going to corrupt or defile them. It's only what comes out of them can do that. So Jesus has widened the perspective beyond just breaking rules around traditions and he's putting the emphasis on the whole idea of dealing with the external against the internal position of a soul before God. This is because Jesus' new tradition always puts its focus on the external acts of what you do physically and not on the truth of God. The truth is, friends, God is much more concerned about who we are and what we are internally than what we do religiously. And Jesus is putting his finger on a very critical point here, which is to say, it's not what enters a person that taints them, but what comes out of them that can potentially be sinful. In other words, what they do. To put it another way, a person's environment, all those external things, yes, they can be a bad influence, but it's not the heart of the problem. 
the potential hazardous environment has to be taken on board by the person and enter them and then be played out before it can do any damage spiritually or to those around them. In other words, it's a bit like saying your ship may be in the storm, but it does not matter as long as the storm does not begin to enter your ship. At this point in the passage, they enter a house. A house set aside from the crowd, it tells us in verse 17. His disciples ask him to explain these parables and these things he's just said to the scribes. And you can almost sense in the text a sort of almost an element of exasperation at their question, where he's thinking, you guys, do you still really not get this? And he expands in 19 to 21 by saying, look, even unclean food doesn't defile a person in itself. It's not the stomach that's the problem. It's all, never the stomach, it's the heart. It's the heart of men and women that is, it is that thing that it, when it is distanced from God is the root of the problem. And it's what then pours out of us. That is what defiles us and defiles the word. And what pours out of people a lot of the time is bad stuff. And then he gives us this long list of sins in verses 21 to 23, where he says, From within, out of the heart of men proceed evil thoughts, and then he lists them as adultery, fornication, murder, thefts, covetousness, wickedness. The list goes on and on. Lewdness, blasphemy, pride, foolishness. And it's all these evil things that he says that are those things that actually defile a human being. Now, some people have a lot of fun going through these sins one by one and grading them according to their seriousness, but I think they fall into a trap there and they miss the main point. Because what he's saying is every outward act of sin is always preceded by an inward thought and a choice. The thought is the root of the problem. The action of it, the outworking of it with these things listed is just basically examples of the fruit of that thought. The bad fruit granted. Obeying traditions or religious rules instead of having your heart in the correct posture before God, following those traditions will never alter the position of your heart because it is the posture of that heart that is the root of the problem that is the source of all sin and all the problems that affect us as human beings. And just in closing, looking at the actual text itself, notice the progression of the passage. He begins by saying to the Pharisees, your traditions have replaced the truth of God. And he then says to the crowd, it's not the external that matters, but the internal. And now he's saying to the disciples, the real root of the problem is the thoughts that arise in our hearts. I do not doubt that someone's environment can be a huge factor in how their life might work out, but the root of the problem is the posture of our heart before God. So let me summarise by saying one final thing about following the traditions of men and women. Some Christians are proud of the fact that they're called Protestant or Catholic, or maybe they define themselves as Charismatics or Methodists or even Baptists, and they focus on their particular theology, well, that would be okay, but only to the point, if they get to a point where they believe they need to convert you to their particular view on things, on particular things, good things though they may be untrue, where they think their whole purpose is to convert you so that you believe the same thing about believers' baptism, 
or gifts in the spirit if they get to a point where they feel that by converting you to seeing those things in the same way they've done their job then they're really missing the big point some christian believers have such a narrow point of view and they spend all their time going around trying to convince other christians that they should share that particular point of view on these issues it seems that if they can convince people to embrace the one pet issue that they feel is important then they seem satisfied and they're convinced that they have the, an understanding of the highest point of the gospel message and in a sense are delivering you from error I'm aware of some people who on their deathbed have been robbed of their assurance because they're told they not only had to accept Jesus Christ, but after doing that they had to live a life by meeting some external standard put upon them by the church. They even maybe have been implied or I'm even told that they risk hell because they're not up to date with things like their confession, uh, their repentance, or even the fact that they've not been baptised. Please hear me and hear me well, but hear me carefully. I do believe in the fundamentals of the faith. I personally believe in believers' baptism. I didn't actually grow up in a Baptist church myself, but I became a Baptist, if you like, if that's even the term to use, by conviction. And I imagine some of you listening to this are Baptist because you simply grew up in a Baptist church, and there's nothing wrong with that but I believe in believers' baptism by conviction and theology. And I'm not ashamed to say that, but I'm not trying to make anyone else a Baptist who might be listening to this from another tradition. As a pastor, as a preacher, my main objective is to teach you, as best as I can, the untainted Word of God, so that you can become a mature, loving, Christ-like person who believes in and has surrendered their life over to Jesus for the forgiveness of sin and are doing their best to follow him. The issue, beloved, in all these matters is never external. It's always internal. The issue is not what you do or don't do. The issue is the posture of your heart and the way you approach God. We all All of us need the word of God to be applied gracefully in our lives and compassionately in the lives of those around us. That you present the authentic Jesus to anyone you come into contact with. A Jesus who loved them and died for them. And Jesus here is telling us the problem with people is not what goes into them, it's what comes out of them. It's all to do with the humility of their position before a holy God and recognising their need of a salvation that exists outside of themselves and lies within him. The problem, when it comes to the root of the problem, these uncharitable thoughts, the malicious words, the gossip, which is a huge problem, in fact is probably the main problem in most churches in this day. Most of the problems within churches, I believe, the core of it is gossip. But the root cause of all of this is simply sin. The problem is the selfish drives and emotions of the human heart. And that is what we have to deal with, recognise and deal with. You know what? If you turn to the world for help on these issues, you'll get a myriad of answers. If you go to a psychiatrist, they'll probably tell you it was your mother's fault. If you go to your mother, she'll tell you that it's the friends you hang around with. It's their fault. Go to some religious people, they might even tell you the devil made you do it. But please hear me when I say it is not our environment 
I'm not saying it doesn't influence us. I'm not saying it doesn't have an impact on us. What I'm saying, it can only do that as much as you will let it. You always have a chance to make a free will choice. The root problem for all of us, for all of humanity, is the sinful state of the human heart. And if that's so, then let me suggest the solution to that problem is you simply need to get a new heart. If you want to get a new heart, you just need to experience the new birth, which comes through surrendering your life to the life of Jesus Christ. I promise you that your problems in life are not just because of your background or upbringing. They may be a factum. The problem may be that you're poor, but it's that you're poor in spirit. Not that being poor financially is not a problem, but the real root cause of everything that we see wrong in the world is the fact that people are spiritually poor. When Jesus got down to it, he simply said, your problem is your evil thoughts. However, the Bible tells us how to deal with these type of thoughts by telling us to cast down arguments, every high thing that exalts itself against the knowledge of God, bringing every thought into captivity to the obedience of Christ. That, my friends, is the answer to everything. That, my friend, is the answer to any thoughts, evil thoughts, troubling thoughts, thoughts of slow self-esteem, depressive thoughts, paranoid thoughts. You may not be able to prevent those thoughts popping into your mind for that bird, if you like, landing in the tree of your mind, but you sure can prevent it building a nest there. When those evil thoughts or drives or motivations come into your heart, immediately take them into activity and say, Lord, this is the external thing. That's what you need to deal with. Don't let it come out of me in a wrong way. The world doesn't have an answer to that and to that problem because it doesn't recognize the root, the core of the problem. However, we are able to turn to what it tells us here, the word of God, what Jesus says, and what Jesus says, we just need to focus on the internal, surrender it, hand it over to him. If we thoroughly focus on that, we begin the process of changing us on the inside, and then, friends, we can let the outside, well, that'll take care of itself. The problem every Christian believer faces is that our daily conduct is so influenced, under attack, if you like, by the environment or the customs and the traditions that we live into, even sometimes church traditions themselves. It becomes very easy to assume we are living for the Lord when in fact all we're doing is fitting into a social or religious mold. So the question I'm asking you is, are you following the traditions of men and women or are you being filled with the word of God and being controlled by that? Are you being conformed to the culture and the religious life or are you being conformed and transformed by the Holy Spirit who dwells within you? Let me tell you a way anyone can tell if they're conforming to custom and tradition or whether they're being transformed by divine truth and the Holy Spirit into the likeness of Christ. The litmus test is, when you're in the midst of trouble, what is it that pops out of you? Is it profanity? Is it anger? Is it wrong choices and decisions? Or is it the truth of God? Is it love that wells up? Is it joy? Is it peace? Does it come out in the form of patience, endurance, kindness, gentleness, self-control? In other words, is it the fruits of the Holy Spirit 
That's all I've heard done as there is read to you from Galatians 5.22-23, which tells us what they are. You know, if I were to thump this desk this morning, at which I'm sitting recording this podcast, then the glass of water sitting on my side might spill over or even topple over and make a mess of things. But when in life we come against external trouble, it's only what is in us that can spill up and come out of it. Nothing can burst uncontrollably out of you that's not there in the first place. So the test, friends, is whether or not you are able to fill your ideas, fill your mind, fill your spirit with the ideas of the world or the ideas of the word. Are you filled with the things of the world or are you filled with the truth of God? I do hope that it's the latter and I'm thankful that you're here today because by being part of this Bible study together and this project, that's exactly what you're doing. You're filling yourself with the Word and the Spirit of God. And may it be that, and only that, that spills over and out of you in your life. Okay, that's it for today. Thank you again for joining me. It's been great having you with me today. As I said at the beginning, you are able to subscribe to this podcast on any podcast platform, whatever your favourite is. That way you'll need never miss another single episode. The project itself, the podcast itself, is hosted on thebibleproject.buzzsprout.com. And that's the place where you'll find the full transcript of everything I said, as well as an episode notes page for every episode. Everything I produce is freely available for you to use in whatever way is helpful for you or even the community of believers that you mix with. Please take them and do as you wish. It's also there you'll find links to places like my Amazon author page where you can support the work by maybe buying one of my books or the Patreon site where you can make a a small contribution to enable this podcast and the other resources to to stay free worldwide in all these podcast platforms. That's also the place, by the way, where I post some bonus episodes that don't really fit in within this format. You'll also find links to places like the socials and the YouTube channel, which is vast becoming the place where the long-term archive will be kept because that's the place where I can put everything into book-by-book playlist format and might make it mean it'll be more navigable for people looking for individual episodes rather than scrolling through well over 500 episodes now on your phone or your tablet so that's the place to go to connect with us and i do hope that you're finding our time together helpful and if you are then why not consider sharing a link to this podcast or even posting a review wherever it is you, you receive it from That really does help make it more visible and allow more other people to discover the opportunity to make the study of the Bible part of the rhythm of their daily lives as well. So that all said, just a last thank you again for being here. It's a pleasure and a privilege to be doing this with you. And I do trust I'll see you back here again tomorrow. Well, it'll be tomorrow for me, whatever day it happens to work for you. And whatever pace suits you is absolutely fine. But it's bye-bye for now from the Bible Project Daily Podcast. 
Bye-bye now.